Hey guys, it's a great day to live for Jesus. My name is Pastor Mike Grover, and this is the In the Word Podcast, a twice-weekly devotional journey through the New Testament, where together we will stop, look, and learn what the Lord has to say to us today. Today in the Word, we are in Matthew chapter number 24. Jesus has just left the temple After delivering a blistering message of criticism about the scribes and the Pharisees in chapter number 23, he's asked two questions by his disciples in Matthew chapter 24 at the beginning. The first is about the temple and what its future would be. And then the second question is what will happen at the end of the world? He answers the first question by predicting the destruction of the temple in AD 70 And then the second question is really the unpacking of this entire chapter. He talks about the end times after his departure. He speaks about a time of great tribulation and persecution where the world will be in turmoil and yet throughout the gospel will be preached into all the world. And then really this constant reminder as always from the Lord of being ready. So Matthew chapter 24 is really the premier New Testament chapter of prophecy on the future of Israel and the world. It's really outside the scope of the devotions that we're doing here to unpack all of this. But just as a little bit of setting, it kind of comes to the high watermark in verse 21 when Jesus says, For then shall be great tribulation such as not was since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So Jesus predicts a future end time of judgment and tribulation that will be unmatched like anything that had ever happened in the world before it or anything that would ever come after it. Now, some would assert that this chapter is really not talking about future prophecy. It's talking about now history and what took place in Jerusalem in A.D. 70 with the destruction of the temple. But as awful as that destruction of the temple was and the number of Jewish people who were killed, to say that that is the worst thing that ever happened in the history of the world would be an overstatement. Just what happened in Nazi Germany during World War II to the Jews themselves far surpassed what happened in Jerusalem in A.D. 70. And then I think of the uh, atomic weapons that were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, how much worse that would have been than what took place there in A.D. 70. So I believe this chapter is talking about prophecy and things that are yet to come. But as I said, really outside the scope of this devotion. But if you're interested in a more fuller study of prophecy, if you go to Fellowship 301 on Facebook, you'll see a series there called Prophecy, Words, and Meanings, where I am unpacking word by word and um, uh, phrase by phrase what is going on in the prophetic area of Scripture. What I want to focus on today is the practical aspect of readiness. Jesus is talking about things to come and the natural response that we ought to have is one of being ready. So when you look down at verse 36, he's talking about his return. He says, but of the day and the hour knows no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. 
But as the days of Noah were, so shall also coming, uh, coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days they were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So Jesus tells us, the nature of the earth before his return, and we're not going to unpack the difference between rapture, second coming, or that conversation. The reality is Jesus is coming again. And the time on the earth preceding the coming of Jesus Christ, he says here, will be like the days of Noah. Now, he describes those days from man's standpoint, and it's kind of days of normalcy. He said they're eating, they're drinking, they're marrying, they're giving in marriage. And so from a man point of view, he describes it as a day when people are just going through the motions of normal life. They're eating, they're drinking, they're marrying, they're giving in marriage. They're living life as if everything is just how it has always been. So from man's point of view, what it's going to look like before the coming of the Lord is kind of normalcy. Man, we're going to have normalized a lot of the things that are going on in the world around us. But from God's point of view, what is going on in the world before his return is much different. Because Jesus says here, the context of readiness is as it was in the days of Noah. Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter number six and verse five, it says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the heart was only evil continually. And it says, it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. But I love verse eight. It says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So Jesus said, the world before his coming would be like the days of Noah. From man's point of view, we're going to marry and give in marriage. We're going to eat and drink. Just a normal circumstance. So man is looking at the world in that day as kind of normal. The wickedness that God sees, the abomination, the imaginations of his heart is so in contrast to what God is seeing there. And what a contrast. So I think as followers of Jesus Christ, it's, it's incumbent upon us to be careful that we don't get so sucked into the world system that we see these things that the world is normalizing as normal. Man, we need to have that mind and that perspective that God has toward these things. Man, we never should get used to the murder of babies in abortion that right now happens so rampantly and has become normalized in the thinking of the world. We should never let the current arguments that are being proposed take the place of what the scripture teaches, that conception begins in the womb. And God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly, he said, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet. We should never let deceit, manipulation, dishonesty that's been normalized in the world and really no regard for truth and no regard for character and credibility. 
We should never let that become normalized in our hearts as believers. Even when that deceit is on display at the highest places of leadership in our hearts and our minds, we need to see it through God's perspective and value what God values. We should never normalize those things. We should never normalize sexual deviancy, whether that is sex outside the confines of a a marriage union We should never see that normalized. I was with a friend of mine yesterday and he was telling me an experience that his son went through and a temptation that he faced and it was just as wicked and as grievous as could be imagined. But things like that are so normalized today. Man, the normalization of uh, gender and what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman being redefined. We cannot let the common opinion of that dictate to us or take the place of what the scripture teaches. The Bible tells us when God made mankind, it says he made them male and female. And by the way, that defining of gender as male and female in scripture extends beyond the attitude of the heart and actually shows up in physical description. What it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman biblically is defined by physical characteristics. You see, in the days of Noah, and as Jesus said it will be before his return, there's going to be mankind looking at what's going on as normal, and yet God, the way he saw it was the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. See, we as believers should be ready for the coming of the Lord. So that's that kind of context of readiness that we see here. But I just want to kind of drill in a little bit practically here about the character of readiness. What's it look like to be ready? Well, it begins with salvation. Jesus said in John 3, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I think about the parable of the 10 virgins in Matthew chapter number 25, and those that had oil in their lamp were allowed into the wedding feasts or the marriage, and those without oil were outside caught knocking on the door and not allowed to enter. Man, we need to make sure we have oil in our lamp, that picture of the Holy Spirit being in us that comes from a personal salvation relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the foundation of being ready for the coming of Jesus is knowing that we are saved. It's salvation. Now, the character of readiness within or built on that foundation, man, there's so many things. Watchfulness, 2 Timothy 4, 8. Uh, Timothy talked about the reward that he, Paul talked about the reward he would receive because he loved Christ's appearance. You know, we're told over and over in scripture to watch and to be ready. The coming of the Lord is described as a, a blessed hope. It is something that we should be looking forward to and we should be filled with hopefulness. I think there's been a lot of harm done to the teaching of prophecy because of sensationalism and and books that are written like 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988 or things like the Blood Moon book. Everything that comes along, someone writes this book with sensational things, makes money on it, and you know what? Each time weakens people's belief and hope in the returning of the Lord. You see, we need to quit reading books like that, and we need to put our nose in the book and see what the Lord has to say about the return of Jesus Christ. We need to be watchful. 
We need to be hopeful that today, even now, that Jesus can return. Man, the character of readiness is watchfulness. And then there's our witness of Christ. You know, there's one thing that we cannot do in heaven, and that's tell other people about Jesus. And that's why God left us here. If he left us here just simply to live a godly and a holy life, man, we could have done a whole better job of that by being taken right to heaven. Or if it was just simply living in community and fellowship with other believers, man, we could do a better job of that in heaven than we could do here. But the one thing we can do here that we cannot do in heaven, and that is to tell others about Christ, why we are here. So the character of readiness built on our salvation is watchfulness for the Lord's return. It's our witness while we're waiting. And then, man, so important, faithfulness. Faithfulness to the Lord. Man, that is the primary characteristic that God tells us uh, that we have as his servants and as his stewards. Over in 1 Corinthians 4, Paul said, Let a man account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. And then he said, moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Man, what does God require in us? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. He goes on in verse 3, says, With me it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. He said, Yeah, I, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified? But he that judges me is the Lord. He said, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Man, the importance of faithfulness. You know, I'm kind of concerned and grieved that I see the lack of consistency and faithfulness of people that I know that know the Lord in this day. God says it's required as his servants 